Well, the regular season might be over in the high school football playoff area, but it is week one of the playoffs here in the Siouxland. Welcome into another edition of the SCJ Preps podcast here on SiouxCityJournal.com. I'm assistant sports editor Zach James, and alongside with me, as always, is sports editor Justin Rest. And coming up in this week's episode, we will go over 12 games in the Siouxland in both South Dakota and Iowa that uh, we'll have our eye on on Thursday and Friday night as we get closer to the end of the football season. Let's get into those 12 games we'll talk about over the next 45 minutes or so. On the South Dakota side in Class 11A, number 6 Dakota Valley will travel to Canton to face the third-seeded team there. That game will actually actually be on Thursday night. Now, for the Iowa games, all of these games are 7 o'clock Friday starts just like usual. In Class 3A, call-out comes up here as the number 14 seed in the RPI, and they will take on Sergeant Bluff-Luton, seeded fourth in the RPI. In Class 2A, we've got three games there. Central Line, George Little Rock owns the number 16 seed, and they will travel to Algona, who has the number 3 seed. Number 12, West Marshall comes over to here to Ida Grove. They have to travel 139 miles to come face the Falcons of OABCIG. Spirit Lake has a long way to go for their game on Friday night as well. Spirit Lake, they have the number 15 seed in Class 2A. They will face second-seeded Clear Lake. We also have three games in Class 1A as well, and they, they entail the big three. No shocker there. West Lyon travels 197 miles on Friday night to face number 15 Osage. West Lyon has a number five seed. In bracket D, Underwood, who, who is number 10, will travel to Haywarden to face the number three West Sioux Falcons. And on the other side of that bracket, the winner of Western Christian seventh seed and number nine trainer will face the winner of Underwood and West Sioux. In Class A, number 15 Tri-Center goes to number nine South O'Brien, and number 12 Westwood travels to number six Woodbury Central. We also have a pair of games in eight-man as well. Number nine East Mills comes up to Remsen to face Remsen St. Mary, and number 12 Harris Lake Park will travel to number one-ranked Ottoman, in eight-man play. Uh, Justin, let's start off with the, with the uh, Thursday game since that's the first one to come up on the schedule here. Dakota Valley taking on Canton. Dakota Valley's had a really tough schedule this year. Um, they fought through it. They've overcome some h- hard bumps there, but uh, I think the sixth seed is appropriate for them. And like every week for the Panthers this season, another tough challenge for them. Yeah, they face a Canton team that's really been able to score a lot of points lately. Um and honestly, it's it's it has been a tough season for Dakota Valley, but they kind of buried themselves in the sixth seed here. They, you know, I know Lennox came on strong late, but you know Coach Vandenhall said they didn't play their best game in there. You know, as week after Del Rapids, they didn't bounce back well, and that allowed Lennox to kind of jump into that four seed. But now you got a Canton team that's been strong these last few years. You know, they started off the season zero and two, losses to T and losses to Madison. T is the number two seed. Madison uh, is the five seed I believe um, so uh, on that one after that wins over Pine Ridge here in uh, Lennox Todd County Tri-Valley Sioux Falls Christian and West Central so they've been on a roll here and they've been scoring points during that roll it started with the 50 nothing win against Pine Ridge you just kind of say okay you know it's Pine Ridge 
you know, 21 against a, a Huron team that's not – it's decent this season, I believe. Uh, I'd have to look into that. But 21 points against the team above them. 31 against Lennox, who has been holding opponents pretty well now because that's the last kind of bad game for Lennox. And Todd County's not that great. But Tri-Valley, Sioux Falls Christian, West Central, 49, 42, and 28 points. So they've been able to score 20 or more points here for a while For a while here now. So Dakota Valley has to find a way to slow down that uh, Canton offense. Uh, the defense did give up 22 points to Sioux Falls Christian, but that's been really the only game they've given up points since September yeah. 6th against Madison with 21 points. So Canton's defense has also been pretty strong lately too. So Dakota Valley is going to have to show more consistency on offense. They haven't been able to put together long drives like they've wanted to in the past. They've got to do that here, and they've got to end those drives with touchdowns here if they're going to beat Canton in the first round. This is a pretty tough test on the road at Canton, a team that's been traditionally strong is used to these bright lights, the playoffs, and so is Dakota Valley. So it should be a knockout, dragout game. I do have to give Canton the edge, but, you know, Dakota Valley, if they can get back to the way they're playing early in the season, they've got a very good chance here. You know, they're not playing like they did early in the season. If they can, they've got a really good chance here. Yeah, and I know that was over two months ago, but do you, can you see the Panthers making a turnaround to where they were earlier at the beginning of the season, maybe not against Madison, but against like Yankton and, and those teams. Yeah. And some, you know, some of those games were, you know, we look at them now, they're not as big anymore because Yankton's not the team we thought they were. Sioux Falls Christian is not the team we thought they were, so, but as well, but they were also playing better than they were now. So it all depends if they get back to the football, they have been playing tri I mean, it's, you know, it's tough to say Tri-Valley, you know, seven to six win. Tri-Valley is a pretty good team too, usually traditionally. And so seven six, those are two great defensive teams. If Dakota Valley is going to win, it has to be a low scoring game for Dakota Valley in this one. We'll see if they can get back to that early season performance that they had. Now let's move on to the Hawkeye State side of things and start off with Class Three A as the Callout Wildcats come up here to face the Warriors of SBL. Uh, SBL had some four seeds, so they will get two home games should they get past the Wildcats here, and uh, I think they do, Justin. Uh, it'll be an interesting game because this is the most physical team that Sergeant Bluff has faced since Lewis Central. Lewis Central did beat both opponents, but Carlisle gave them a thirteen to three game. They did a loss with Carlisle's against Norwalk in a forty-one to thirty game. This is a tricky game for for the uh, for the defense here uh, for for the defense here for Sergeant Bluff because Carlisle runs a little different system. It's not option. It's not pistol, but they run for a lot of yards. They, they do it on a lot of different formations. Uh, Nick Goodhue has rushed for 1,188 yards and seven touchdowns, seven yards per carry. The quarterback, Tegan Wyckoff, has rushed for 673 yards, 10 touchdowns, 5.7 per carry. And Bryce Murray has rushed for 436 yards out of 5.7 yards per carry. So this is a team that runs the ball a lot. They've passed 113 times, only completed 40% of the passes, six interceptions, five touchdowns for, for Wyckoff. So you want to get them in passing situations. No doubt about that. That's what Sergeant Bluff needs to do. It needs to win. We said this last week with Western Christian, and obviously West Line won first down the way that game turned out. Sergeant Bluff Luton needs to win first down. They need to get them in second and long, third and long situations here, force them to pass in that aspect. This is going to be the best rushing team that Sergeant Bluff has seen all season. That's saying something because, you know, they saw Spencer. They saw Storm Lake. You know, so it'll be interesting. Um they have to be physical up front. Carlisle's going to be physical with them. Sergeant Bluff has been pretty physical up front. Sergeant Bluff's defense is playing pretty well. They have not given up 20 points since week two 
against Harlan, and they won 47-27. So the defense has been pretty stout. They just have to trust their gaps, trust their reads and such, and not really get the running game from Carlisle get a get over them. They, they can bend a little bit. They cannot break in this game. Um, and, 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 and offensively, they've been about as good as anyone right now. So mm-hmm. 40, 41 points back-to-back games. Carlisle hasn't given up a lot of points here the last few weeks. They did go up 27 to Ballard, 41 to Norwalk, 36 to Pella. But in the last three weeks, you know, it's 14-7, 27-7. So their defense has been strong. They did hold Lewis Central to 13 points that week. So um, it, it's a very good Carlisle team. It's a very physical Carlisle team. Sergeant Bluff has to match that. They may not have Jorma Schwebler again. So this will be on Daniel Wright's shoulders again, which is no problem. I mean, the guy's been great for the past, mm-hmm. you know, three seasons. So um, uh, they just have to match physicality, stop the run, and, you know, offensively, I think, you know, short passes, that'll open up the long passes, get some decent runs from Corey Bates and Kate and Held, and that, that's going to be the game plan right there. Be be efficient is the key on offense, and be physical on defense and, and make your reads. I want to stay right there for a second with Daniel Wright. I think your Metro Raptor of the Week story, spoiler, or Metro Raptor of the Week is Daniel Wright. Go to SiouxCityJournal.com to read Justin's story on that, but I thought it was interesting that um, Daniel Wright thought about going out for golf and, and didn't really think about football all that much, and here he is leading the Warriors offense, and he has offers from Sioux Falls and Iowa State. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, he, he wasn't progressing how he wanted to. I mean, he, he set a high bar for himself and, and that, and he was going to be on the bench for a while, and, you know, he could go out and golf and such, and, and you know, he'd still do another sport, but you know, some, he decided to stick it out, and it worked out. And unfortunately, yeah. for for the quarterback, then he broke his hand. That's an unfortunate situation there. But you know, uh, it goes from he's a lineman as a freshman, moves moves to quarterback as Justin Smith like how he threw, and now he's the best quarterback that Justin Smith has has ever had. And he might, I'm guessing, he's gonna be the best quarterback in Sergeant Bluff history. I don't know enough about the history right now to really say that outright, but. I'd have to think he's one of the best quarterbacks they've ever had. So, and, and he's a pretty good baseball pitcher too. He, I think he's an offer to Augie. I think is yep. a baseball offer to Augie. That's what I thought. So, I mean, he's a very well-rounded athlete, and I know uh, we, we wanted to make him in a, a Metro Athlete of the Week sometime this year, and it just seemed fitting that with we, the football yeah, seat with the football season that the Warriors have had, this was apropos to give him give it to him right now yeah we could give it to him any time during the season he's that good at all three sports and he's got the preferred walk-on offer from iowa state um and he's just a student of the game he spends time in the film room he breaks down defenses he wants to be efficient you look at his completion percentage 69 percent this year it was 66 percent last year and i believe around 60 percent his sophomore year first year he played he's he's only thrown i think 10 interceptions total in the last three years. So wow. he's efficient. He's a student of the game. He breaks things down. He's had some very good wide receivers to throw to, and he loves throwing to those guys. So it makes it a little easier. But, you know, that's, you got to be able to make those reads, and he does. Will Mr. Wright be the quarter, get to play another game next week as quarterback? I think so. It's a tough matchup, but I, I think Sergeant Bluff, Sergeant Bluff has been stepping up each week. You know, they really stopped the run game for Storm Lake. They really stopped. Spencer's run game. That was a physical game that I thought was going to give them some problems, and they breezed through that one. So I think, you know, they've learned a lot from that Lewis Central loss. They're not the same team from that. And I know mm-hmm. Carlisle's physical. If, like I said, if they can make the reads defensively, I think they win this game. It could be 
closer than some people expect, but I think they win this game. And they play, and they should play a sneaky Norwalk team next week. Should they get through Friday night's win against the Wildcats? Well, so I don't know how sneaky Norwalk is. They've been they've been they've been ranked for for all season. So I, I'm not I'm not as down on Norwalk as some other people seem to be. But I I think Norwalk. I don't think they're sneaky. I just think they're pretty good. Yeah, they are good. And and the reason I said um, sneaky is there's so many good teams in the Des Moines Metro that. Um, Norwalk gets the short end of the stick when you talk about um, Des Moines area metro teams, especially with suburban ones. So that's the only reason why I said that. Yes, Norwalk has had a good season, but but that's not to say that Dowling hasn't or Valley and, hasn't. They just get the short end of the stick. Or SCP too as well. And Norwalk and Carlisle has, for that matter well, too. And Norwalk has to get by, by Glenwood, who's played some pretty good defense this year, except for last week when Creston put thirty five on them, and you know that. I guess they've been as strong defensively as I saw before, so I think Norwalk should win that game. Never mind on that one. So one more thing on the SBL game: Barry Poe is covering that game. Make sure to follow him at SCJ Barry Poe and read his gamer in Saturday's Journal and at SiouxCityJournal.com. Moving forward now to the Class Two A games. Uh, let's start off with the Central Line George Little Rock taking on Algona. Um, what do you see in this one? I, I think. It's a good thing that GL, uh, GLR made it to the playoffs the way that they did, but now they have a really tough task going on the road and facing a tough Algona team. Yeah, and this is really no surprise that they're facing a tough Algona team. It's going to be a really tough task from this. But the thing about Algona is they have passed from 1,083 yards from Tyler Monkey, but they've only thrown it 94 times. Um, Wyatt Wagner has 1,083 yards, Garrett Schmidt 503 yards, and Monty Bowden. 498 yards. So it's not like Central Line hasn't seen that type of offense before. You know, they played West Line, and yes, West Line did take it to them. I know. Um, that, that's no surprise there. And um, so this will be a tough task if Central Line can stop the run and you know guard against that pass well enough. They're not going to throw it a ton, but can guard against that pass. That's going to be key. Their defense has been has been good. Um, last week, 22 against Sheldon. That was a little concerning though, because you're facing a really good Algona team and. You know, every very good team Central Line has played has turned into a blowout. So it seems like it kind of seems like Central Line's good enough to be in this position, but they can't get over the hump against really good teams. You know, thirty-five nothing against West Lion, forty-seven twenty against West Sioux, forty-two fourteen Spirit Lake, forty-two five against Western Christian. So they've got their hands full. It's going to be really tough. I, I don't really see an upset here, but you know, to bounce back from 0-4 and, and make the playoffs is a pretty yeah. pretty big task for Central Line George Little Rock. So. Yeah, and, and like I said, they should be proud of that, starting out the way that they did and bouncing back and earning that number 16 seed, just making the cut at, at the final spot there. They should be well, pretty happy about, well, about that. That's because they won the district title. So they didn't just make the cut. They they caused the cut because they, they were in well, the 20s, I think, for RPI. So, yep. so like, they won the district title. So. Moving on now to West Marshall, OABCIG. And admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about West Marshall, but I don't know if they've seen somebody like Cooper DeGene so far this year. But Cooper DeGene got himself in a little bit of trouble last week. He did have three interceptions, I believe. So he's got to cut those down uh, when he gets to the postseason. But besides that, I mean, that's that's nitpicking there. He's, he had five touchdowns last week, so uh, three on the ground. He was their running game last week. So mm-hmm. uh, now, he, now he faces the West Marshall team that's, pulled off some upsets. You know, they beat Nevada. Um, they beat PCM. But they played close with Williamsburg before losing. They played tight with Ar- Applington Parkersburg, which was not a bad, which was not a good loss for them. Because Applington Parkersburg did miss the playoffs. 
and they did lose to Benton. So it's been a mixed bag for them this season. Um, played well against Rollins, Story, and Vinton Shellsburg and won those two games they should have, but you know, it, it really has been a mixed bag bag for them. Um, OEB, I don't know if they'll be able to stop an o, uh, a Cooper DeGene. That'll be the thing. Everyone's going to be keyed on him, though. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they've passed for about 900 yards, so it's on their ground game. Peyton Pope is the guy they got to watch for. 1,028 yards on the ground, 11 touchdowns. Um, Preston Pope, you know, I assume brother, 654 yards and four touchdowns. So you got to stop the Pope. You know, t- take down the Pope mobile. There, I said, <laughs> take down the Pope mobile. But you also have to have someone watching over Braden Everston, who has 583 yards receiving. He's kind of the main option there. So key on the Popes, but make sure you have good coverage against Everston in this one. Um, they haven't put up a ton of points against anyone. 34 is the season high. That was last week against Union Community, who's not a good team. So um, OABCI's defense has been good this year. 22 points. Um, 20, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong team here. Uh, I believe their highest total is against Storm Lake. I could be wrong on that, though. could have been last week, too. Um, if I knew how to type that, I'd be able to get this to you, but, um, it'll, it'll be Cooper DeGene on offense. So we'll rely on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26 points can storm like is the most they've allowed this season in the last five weeks. They've allowed a total of 34 points there and green County's got a very good offense. That's Dalton to 13 was very good. Um, if Cooper DeGene takes care of the ball. 2,348 yards passing, 32 touchdowns. He's and he can do. He did most of it with his legs last week. 17 touchdowns on the ground. If you can hit Jake Neiman there, 13 touchdowns and 928 yards. He's got the weapons. He can do it on the ground. I just feel West Marshall's going to have a very tough time stopping him. I feel they get. I feel OABCIG gets the links. I don't feel West Marshall is going to put up a ton of points here. They're going to have to put up 30 to 35 points to stick with OABCIG, and I just don't see him doing that with the way OABCIG's defense has been playing. So, um, yeah, they've caused a lot of fumbles. Holy moly on this one. Um, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 18 fumble recoveries. My goodness. Sam DeVitt has three fumble recoveries. Jake Neiman, Town Johnson, and Jarrett DeHute all have two. Then you have nine players with at least one fumble recovery. So uh, they've been able to force some turnovers. Jake Neiman also has four interceptions as well. And Cooper DeGene has three interceptions and two returns for touchdowns. So defensively, I just do not see West Marshall getting passes from their force to pass. I've seen fumbling it with as much as they run the ball. I mean, OABCIG is causing fumbles. 18, they're yeah. averaging two fumble recoveries a game. So I just don't see West Marshall's offense getting something over, and I feel they get turned over two or three times. That's going to play into OABCIG's hands right there. That's a really good stat. 18 fumble uh, takeaways right there. That's a lot. Yeah, I'll, that, take, I'll take credit for scrolling down far enough to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't take full credit for knowing that off the hand. I did. I didn't see it until I scrolled down on Quick Stats. So, thanks, Quick Stats. Uh, moving on now to uh, Spirit Lake and Clear Lake. Spirit Lake has to travel 146 miles to the north part of the state uh, to face the Lions. Um, the Lions, I'm sure, are very good considering they had that number two RPI ranking there. Um, what do you think Spirit Lake needs to do to kind of pull off the upset there? Kind of play like they did against Algona, you know, <laughs> um, really line up and take them to them. 
A little different team, though, because Clear Lake passes a little more. They've got Jalen DeVries, who's passed for almost 2,000 yards, only three interceptions and 26 touchdowns. Jaden O'Brien Green has rushed for nine for 860 yards and 10 touchdowns. So they mix it up more than Algona does. So their defense has to be a little more ready for that. I don't know if Clear Lake is as strong as they've been in the past. It just seems like they haven't put teams away. Iowa Falls all Dean, 28-7, not bad, but not putting away. 21-14 against New Hampton, okay. You know, 35 nothing for City, 35 nothing Crestwood. So the last couple of weeks, I kind of look at them like, all right. They played tight with Garnered, Hayfield, Ventura, 28-27. That's what Spirit Lake did last week, too. So that's why I kind of see Spirit Lake can stick with Clear Lake a little bit here because that was a knockout, dragout game with Garner, Hayfield, Ventura to get into the playoffs, and they barely did. Now you're set up with Clear Lake. If Spirit Lake can play like they did the last couple of weeks, they will stick with with Clear Lake. If they play like they did the two weeks previous, then they will not stick with Clear Lake. So it depends what Spirit Lake team we see. Sometimes that offense just disappears. It has to be ready to go here. They've scored 36 or 66 points combined the last two weeks against Algona and Garner Hayfield Ventura. That's pretty good. But in their losses to Sioux Center and Esterville, they scored 29 combined points against two teams not in the playoffs. Which offense do we see? Do we see the efficient ground game that leads to some decent passing from Brent Scott? Um, Brent Scott's been the main guy on the ground, too. They need to get a little more outside the running game from Brent Scott. That's going to be key, or else teams are going to key on on Joe Stein, and Brent Scott's going to have to do everything on his legs. Mm-hmm. So they need some stuff from Gavin Harms and Colby Richter in this game uh, to advance. That's going to be the key to me. I don't know if they're going to completely shut down um, Clear Lake, because even though I said that, Algona did have um, – Algona did end up beating Spirit Lake in that game with 34 points, Garner with 29. So if Spirit Lake is, Spirit Lake can't let um, Clear Lake get out to too big of a lead here, if it's a, if it turns into a double-digit lead, I don't see Spirit Lake climbing out of it. Um, so they have to keep uh, – Spirit if Clear Lake gets the lead, they have to stay within under double digits here in order to come back, and it's going to be a tight game if they win it. Does Spirit Lake need to score at least 28 to 35 to win this? Yes. All right. Based on their results the last couple of weeks, I really do yeah. believe they, you know, you know, it's a pretty good Clear Lake team. And Garner and I'll go into that. I think, I think Clear Lake gets into the 28-35 range. I, I think so. I do, too. I do, too. And that's kind of the range I was thinking at, too, like a 35-32 game, something Something along those lines. Moving out of Class 1A, West Lyon, the number five seed on the in the Class 1A bracket. I think they're in bracket B, if I remember correctly. They travel nearly 200 miles to face Osage. Um, I, I think West Lyon got the short end of the straw. I get someone had to go on the road between between the big our big three, um, but I didn't expect West Lyon to have to have a 200 mile assignment over the Osage either. Yeah, but if there's any team equipped to handle it, it's, it's kind of West Line in that aspect, you know. They're a mentally tough team, so I think that they, they can – I mean, not saying West Sioux and Western Christian are, but, you know, it's just been a grinded-out thing here, and that, that's just how it happens. And and I feel West Line will handle it well. I think Jay Rosenboom will handle it well for his team. I think they're a pretty good team equipped to go out of it because, honestly, I still think they win by 35, 40 points against Osage, who's in the playoffs because they won a district title. That's why they're in. I just don't see them giving Westline any type of fight, even with going 197 miles. Um, Osage won its last five games. They pulled the central line to get in. None of those wins look like anything. They got pounded against Clear Lake. They got 
They lost 42-32 against St. Ansgar. That's a good St. Ansgar team. Yes, but, it is. But then they got pounded by Britt, West Hancock. And they, they, they stuck with Garner Hayfield Venger 28-20. But I just, I just see West Line delivering the knockout punch early, especially with how they're playing. They absolutely yeah. just jumped up to a quick lead against Western Christian and just rolled. I don't see. Do you think? I don't see anyone. I, I, I see no way. No Sage stops them. Do you see West Lion maybe going into Friday night, maybe playing with a little bit of a disrespect card, not getting a home game on Friday night, and, and kind of taking it out on Osage? I don't think they're going to do that this week. I think they're going to save it next week for when they have to face Dyke New Hartford. I think I think Jay knows when to break out the motivation factor, and I I, I think you know there'll be something this week, but I don't think it'll be that. It'll be next week when they have to travel to Dyke New Hartford where he'll, he'll break out the disrespect card. Like, you shouldn't have to travel this far as a five seed to face this team that's a four seed. There's no way you should have, I think next week is the week he breaks it out. I think this week it's it's everyone stay healthy, everyone do your jobs. Let's get to this for against Dyke New Hartford, which honestly could be a state title game, Dyke New Hartford yes, versus West Lyon. And it's going to be in the quarterfinals. So I think that's when Jay Rosenboom pulls it out because – He's been doing it for 27 years. He knows when and how to motivate his team. He's been doing the same thing for 27 years. And, and they're going to ground and pound against Osage. And next week is the week he's really going to break out the motivation factor. So, All right. All right. Uh, moving on now to bracket D. It's Underwood. Uh, comes over to Haywarden to face West Sioux. West Sioux gets the home game. They're the three seed. Underwood, I believe, is the 10 seed. Um, this will be a good test for the playoff opener for West Sioux, and they aren't going to treat this as a trap game, obviously, since it's a playoff game, knowing that they'll have to face the winner of Western Christian and Trainer. But this is this is a pretty darn good opening for the Falcons to start out with. Yeah, Underwood's a little sneakier than I thought they'd be. They do have a loss to Trainer, 24-20 in there. That's their only loss of the season. That's a good Trainer team. You know, they pounded IKM Manning 42 nothing, which at the beginning of the season didn't look like much, but IKM Manning's in the playoffs now. They scored 49 against Tri-Center, also in the playoffs. So this is a team that can put up points fast. So that could be a sneaky team. Uh, only won 20 to nothing against ESAC and 21-7 against St. Albert. Those are the games that kind of stuck out that concerned me. But Wasu has to be careful here. They almost, uh, you know, Emmitsburg stuck with them. Emmitsburg's got a good defense. And Underwood's been having a pretty good defense this season, too. 33 against Tri-Center in that one. And, Holding trainer to 24 is one of the lower totals of the season. So, Westu has to be ready for this one. Um, I mean, it's the playoffs. You got to be ready every week, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, with the way some teams stuck around against them, they've got to get out to a good start. Really kind of take it to Underwood early here. Don't You don't want Underwood sticking around, kind of like Emmitsburg did last week. This is a better team than Emmitsburg. So, Westu's got to get out to a quick start here. You know, maybe get some nice completions out to Cade Lina. I'll let Bryce Coppett kind of do his thing. Really get in a rhythm. Because when they get in a rhythm, they're really hard to stop. When you're able to disrupt their rhythm, that's when they have major issues out there. You know, be physical with them. Disrupt their rhythm. That's what West has kind of get past. And and Underwood, you know, it's that they can be a physical team. So West has to get past that. I still think they win by like 20. But, you know, they need to get out to a good start here early against Underwood, I feel. If Underwood is in this game, do you expect it to be a shootout? If Underwood's in it, it's going to be a lower-scoring game. They're, they're not going to win a shootout in this one. Um, I, I, I just do not believe Underwood has the capability to win a shootout against West Sioux because that was a 24-20 game against Trainer. So I just don't think – you know, 
they they passed the ball well, 2,234 yards from Nick Raveling and 23 touchdowns. So I don't see they have the ground game to keep it up. And I think the defensive backfield for Westview is good enough to really key in in on some of those passes. The teams that are giving them trouble have done it on the ground a little bit with Kobe Pacan in there and West Lyon with with Logan Myers. So I feel it had to be a low-scoring game for Underwood to win this game. If they get in a shootout, I don't think that works in their favor. But you say West Sioux wins this one? I say West Sioux wins it by 10, 15, probably 20 points. All right. And they will face the winner of Western Christian and Trainer. Uh, Western Christian has to go down to Trainer to play that game. Uh, what do you think the Wolfpack need, needs to do to get a rematch with the Falcons? Their offense has to play a lot better right now. They're actually getting dominated right now. Um, West Line really took it to them. Yes, a lot of it is West Line really took a lot of time on the clock, but. You know, Western Christian couldn't get anything going offensively. 116 yards passing from Tyson Bohr. They rushed for 20 uh, for 27 yards is all. So the offense just wasn't there. 11 to 25 for Tyson Bohr. Westline really got after them. Now you're facing another good defense and trainer. Um, their offense really needs to get something generated here. The good thing is their defense is pretty good, but Westline exposed some stuff. Does trainer run the ball like Westline? No, who really runs, runs the ball like West Lyon? I say it a lot, but it's true. Jake Fisher does have one. They don't really pass the ball at trainers. So I shouldn't say they don't run the ball like him, but they're a ground and pound team too. 8.9 yards per carry for Fisher, 8.5 for Chase Reeder. Tiarks with 8.8. That's 1,600 yards between all of them and a lot on the ground. So they really need to get their ground game going. They need to win. It's, it's going to be kind of the same as last week. They need to win first down. Western mm-hmm. Christian needs to win first down to get this one. Um, when they get, they, they can't have time tick off the clock because their offense is just not consistent enough. They need to keep their offense on the field. They can't have their defense on the field as long like they did against West Line, or it's going to burn them. I, I, I honestly I'll... think Trainer's got the edge in this game. Oh, really? You think Trainer comes out on this? I comes mean, out on top on this. We one? we just saw a team that runs the ball very well control the clock against. Western Christian and really take it to him. It was a 14 nothing game before he could blink for Western Christian and West Line. And Trainer does the same thing, maybe not as physical. And they don't, have, I don't know if they got a passer like Jalen Gramstead, which West Line hasn't really had in the past. So I, Western Christian needs to show me something because their offense hasn't been consistent enough and their defense has been giving up a little bit too much here on the ground lately. Say the Wolfpack does lose on Friday night. Is this season still consi- is this season considered a success or disappointment? Absolutely a success. This is a team that won, I believe, three games last year. To be in the position they have, yes, they, if they lose in the first round, yeah, it's a tough draw. But to go from three wins to eight wins with no expectation, like there was no expectations of them competing for a district title. And no, especially when they lost their best player who went to uh, – I, I think he's at an academy, Florida Christian, or he's at some kind of academy in Florida. They lost mm. their best defensive player, Bryce Van Dyken, I believe his name is. I can't remember exactly his name. To lose your best defensive player coming into the season because he went down to Florida to go to an academy, which is kind of ironic, to be honest. Um, that, that, to do what they've done is huge. They've really come together well. No one knew what was going to be the offensive focal point of this team. They still kind of don't. They've won games. Cody Bacon has been great. Tristan Mulder's come along. Matt Van Adelou. That defense has been so sound. You lose a piece like that, your defense still be good. It's definitely a success for this team no matter what happens on Friday. All right. Good job out of you, Wolfpack. Now moving on to Class A, 
as Tri-Center faces South O'Brien. Um, South O'Brien, I think, our Siouxland Metro, our Siouxland halfway of the week is from South O'Brien. Uh, talk to me a little bit more about South O'Brien. South O'Brien, they do exactly what, what they've been doing for years here. They're going to line up and try to shove it down your throat. Um, Tristan Wilson's not a big guy, but that offensive line, a bunch of seniors, same with the two tight ends. They only have one junior on that offensive line. So they've been real, they're wearing you down. Um, they were hitting down, and Tristan Wilson was able to get his yards. He's got 2,000 yards in the season, having a great season. But now you're facing a tri-center team. They're going to load up the box to try and stop you. They do things a little differently. They're more pass-oriented with Bryson Freeberg with 2,000 yards passing, 21 touchdowns. So you got two different uh, contrasting styles here. And honestly, I just cannot get a read on this tri-center team. Their defense is played, but their defense – has played a lot better these last few weeks. Holding Westwood to eight points is a good indicator. Holding Lawton Bronson to 12 points is a good indicator there. Mm-hmm. Yes, they have lost to Underwood, AG, ACGC, and Woodbury Central. Woodbury Central is a more balanced attack than what South O'Brien is. So you can't really defend one thing. Here, Tri-Center can line up and defend one thing. Uh, that's Tristan Wilson. Now, will they be able to score against South O'Brien, which had a pretty good season, defensively um boy i don't i don't know if they've given up 20 points yet this season as a defense um that, that's pretty huge there because you know that, that that's key for them i think yeah, they did give up 28 points against sheldon 22 against gtra that was early in the season though hitting 12 points last week um the competition hasn't Love- been as good as tri-center so that's the thing right their, their defense is gonna have to step up they're gonna have to wear teams down if they're going to win this game, they're going to have to be in it in the fourth quarter. They can't be down by like 10 going in the fourth quarter because that means Tri-Center has been able to stop the run. Yeah, you can grind it out, but that means Tri-Center has scored some points. So I honestly do have to give the edge to Tri-Center right now with the way their offense and defense is clicking. They've been stopping the run well enough. Yes, this is a better run game they've seen from Westwood and Lawton Bronson, and they will, but I think Tri-Center is going to be able to control the clock enough to stop it. If, Seuss, if South O'Brien can shut down the passing game, um, that's going to be the key. South O'Brien has three players with two interceptions, and they've got five players with one interception each. So they can get a couple turnovers uh, that way. That's going to be the key for South O'Brien. If, they're off, if their defense can stop, try center. If they can stay in it, they can wear them down. They've got to get some turnovers on defense. All right. And you mentioned Westwood and Woodbury Central, and we have two area teams facing off against each other, and that's the only instance of that this week as Westwood goes to – Moville to face Woodbury Central. I will be at that game. Follow me on Twitter at Zachary W. James. I'm looking very much forward to watching this game. And the last time I was out at Woodbury Central was a couple weeks ago against Lawton Bronson. I was just so impressed, Justin, at how, like you said, their offense is very, very balanced. And they could run the ball. They could throw the ball. Against the Lawton Bronson defense, that was banged up. That is true. But you still have to have the pieces in place. Um, offensively to click as well as Woodbury Central did that night. And they've been doing that all season, and which has led them to a district title. Yeah, just had, I mean, I know Lawton Bronson was banged up, but this Woodbury team has been doing it against a lot of teams. They faced Westwood already this season, 36-16. to 16. And while that seems lopsided, that's kind of the most points offensively anyone scored against Woodbury Central. Hinton has 20, 20 points against them to open the season. Two of those are touchdowns on interception returns for the Hinton defense. So Westwood is the team that's been able to get to this offense the most, but it was only or this defense the most, but it was only 16 points. So that's allowed them to be 
kind of the team that, they, that they've been this season. Their defense is setting them up. They're causing turnovers. And that's really setting up the offense in good position for their playmakers. You know, you got Wade Mitchell at running back. Mitchell Countryman and Ethan Copeland can kind of do a little bit of everything on there, especially receiving-wise. And Jace Maker's been able to spread the ball to both of them and get mm-hmm. them open. So the line's doing a good job, too. So it's just such a well-balanced offense. You know, Woodbury Central's coach, Cass Burke, Burkhead said it's going to be a they're going to be a handful again this week. They lost by twenty, and he doesn't really know what to stop there because they gained some yards on the ground. Jaden McFarland had one hundred nine yards. That was the tops there. They didn't gain over a hundred. Uh, they they barely gained over one hundred fifty yards. And they don't pass it. So Woodbury Central is going to be keyed in on that running game again. That gives them big advantage. They just have to focus on the one thing. If Westwood's going to have to hit on a couple passes, get him off. But even I don't, I don't think it's enough. I think Woodbury Central's got another, another 15, 20 point win sitting here. Just with how balanced their offense is, just how good that defense is playing. Like I said, 16 points is the most that defense is allowed besides the 20 to Hinton. I said two defense touchdowns. Yeah. There, so. Yeah, I'm right along there with you. I think Woodbury Central's <laughs> offense will be too much for Westwood. I don't think Westwood's defense um, can kind of. Um, solve the puzzle that quickly of, of how to eliminate a 20-point deficit that way. So I, I agree with you. I think Woodbury Central wins um, that, that game. And who knows if uh, they'll get to go on the road or go at home next week. Um, they don't have a number, top four seed, but as we see, there are, seed, there are low seats that do have home games this week. So maybe Woodbury Central can earn their way to a home game, hopefully against – I don't think it's against Tri-Center, the South O'Brien winner, but um, – it's, yeah, it's I, I think it's against uh, West Hancock, I think is what it'd be. Okay, okay. So, it, it, I mean, they'll, they'll be on the road. Um, yeah. They'll be on the road, and you look at it, I think it's one of the top teams out there. It, it'd be um, it'd be North Tama. North Tama is what I'm thinking of. North Tama's had a very good season. So, yes, they have. I do not see Central Decatur getting my game, so – Woodbury Central would have to make a long trip to North Tamas if, if that all goes down as as it should chalk wise, which I believe it will. Yeah. So yeah, I believe it will too, and that's a long drive for Woodbury Central. But we can of course talk about that next week. Moving on to the eight man field, East Mills faces Ramson St. Mary's. Uh, Ramson gets the number four seed. Uh, they get a home game, obviously. I think that's that sets it pretty well for the Hawks, and I don't see them having much trouble against East Mills, honestly. It'll be interesting. Uh, the two games that East Mills has really played were against Audubon and Fremont Mills, 58-21 loss, 61-26 loss. So East Mills, two lopsided <laughs> losses there. They do have a, fi- a five-point win against Lamoni, but Lamoni scored 46 points in that game. Lamoni's had a decent season. I believe they made the playoffs. Um if only had the playoff brackets in front of me. Oh, I do. Yeah, Lamoni, Lamoni made the playoffs, and their only loss was to East Mills. So oh, that, that's okay. their only loss of the season. So that's a good win for East Mills there, but they also allowed 46 points. This is a team that's given up a lot of points to good teams. What does Remsen St. Mary's do? Score a lot of points. Yes, so they do. that plays majorly in the favor of Remsen St. Mary's. And, you know, their defense was good enough against Harris Lake Park, unless East Mills has a high-flying offense like that. They have passed for 2,208 yards and 31 touchdowns, but not a ton of rushing yards. So if they can really hone in on the pass here and get some pressure on the quarterback, which their defensive line has been able to do. Remsen St. Mary's defensive line, I believe Skyler Waldenschmidt is on that uh, defensive line. and He's he's a big boy, you know. He's, he's he a is. pretty good catcher, and he's 
They're pretty good, pretty good on that defense so far. If they can get after the quarterback, I think they give them problems. I see them winning this by 15, 20 points. <laughs> okay, Skyler Walton-Schmidt, 14 sacks. All right. 62 tackles, 28 solo tackles for loss. Wow. That's a lot of solo That's tackles. That's getting it done. Yeah. That's getting it done. So, and, yes, it's eight-man, so it's different. So you're facing three-man line, so it is different. Sure. And Nick Schroeder's got 94 tackles, 16 tackles for loss. I think Skyler's going to cause some havoc on the line. I think that's going to throw off the passing game for East Mills. And, you know, that gives Remsen the ball more. And I don't see how East Mills is going to stop this offense. Led by Blaine Harpenau. I think he's going to be able to hit Moldenschmidt and Austin Jensen. 18 combined touchdowns there. And, you know, he'll be able to run some in. Um, I, I think Remsen wins this one by 20. Yep, I do too. I do too. And I, I, uh, by least, I should say at least 20. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, 20. yeah, yeah. And I don't think that Slats game is going to be uh, much of a competitive game either. Here's Slake Park going down to Audubon. Um, Audubon is the number one seed in the IPI. I disagree with that. I think it should be Don Bosco. But um, you got to play people though. And Don Bosco, yeah, that, yeah. this year. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even in in an area we're going to go up on a little tangent here, but even in an area where there were so many good teams in that area this year, like um, Turkey Valley. Um, but I, I don't disagree with you that Don Bosco didn't show themselves much competition this year. But still, when you're the defending whoever, oh, I agree. But many if you're gonna, they won in a row, they should be number one. But if you're gonna, if you're not gonna play anyone, you're not gonna get the RPI you need to go. They had zero losses. Audubon had one. Audubon had the tougher schedule. And yes, they have the loss there, but that's gonna get you in the long run. They have the one against Gladbrook Rhinebeck. Good win. Janesville yes. wasn't as good as they usually are. Northwood Kenson isn't one of the, and that's no fault of Don Bosco, but when you don't, you know, Riceville's bad. North Iowa's bad. Dunkerton's bad. Tripola's not that good. Rockford is not that good. Backs, that really weighs down your RPI when you have that bad of teams. And that's what really weighed down their RPI was the opponent's one. And that's not Don Bosco's fault. There's district games in there that are not good. You know, you can't help that you get stuck in the same district as Riceville. So, and that that's going to cost you. Is it going to matter at all? No, because they're not probably not. Up, no, because they're not matched up in the same one. Does Don Bosco have a little tougher road? I don't know. I don't think Easton Valley is anything that they can no, struggle that hard with. I think Easton Valley is good, but you know Turkey Valley. Turkey Valley's got an easier road. Yes, Audubon. This is a good game against Harris Lake Park right here. I, I think this is their challenge more maybe in the second round game. And you know Remsen St. Mary's has Coon. Coon Rapids Bayard or Fremont Mills in the second round. That's that's a decent game right there too. So Don Bosco, I think, has an okay trip. So I don't think it's really mattered here for the RPI. No, they're going to make it to Cedar Falls in two weeks. I'm not saying that, but I'm I'm just saying that maybe they could have gotten respected a little bit more. But you're right. You it got it. Matter. I mean, get to maybe the they need. Maybe they need. I. What what did Audubon do that doesn't deserve respect? Audubon's got wins against three ranked teams. They yeah. beat Cam last week. They've got a win against Coon Rapids Bayard. They got a win against East Mills. That's in the playoffs. They got a win against Fremont Mills. I, I don't. I don't know. If you look at it, their their schedule's been really tough. You can't really fault them for that. And that's just the way their schedule kind of played out too. You know. So I, I think Audubon earned this number one seed with the schedule that they've had. And I think Turkey Valley earned the number two seed with the schedule they had. So it just it just played against Don Bosco. It's not going to hurt them in the end. If it hurts no. them, they're going to say, well. we you know, we should have gotten the higher seed, but you should have beaten him. There's no reason they can't roll through their, their round of the playoffs. So if they do it, it's because they choked. 
No, they're getting Shalak, Keith, and Valley on Friday night, but and they'll get to the well, dome. Then, I, yeah, uh, yeah, next Friday night when they played Easton. Mm-hmm. So, yep. So. Okay. Okay. Well, so. yeah, they'll Shalak them then. But uh, do you think Harris Lake Park has a chance against Audubon? Yeah, I think they have a chance. I do have to give the edge to Audubon right here. Like I said, the schedule they've played is good, but. You look at the Remsen St. Mary's game where they lost by one point to Remsen St. Mary's. Remsen St. Mary's did hold that offense of Harris Lake Parks in check, but I really just like this offense of Harris Lake Parks. They've been able to score some good points against some teams. You know, it helped maybe a little more, fewer points against Kingsland Pearson, who's been sneaky at the end of the season, to be honest. You know, if they can sling the ball a little bit here, they did score 35 against Remsen St. Mary's. If they can get in a shootout here, they've got a chance. If, if they can't get in a shootout, Audubon's going to win this game. Cam did hold Audubon to 19 points last week, and Remsen did hold Audubon to 25 points. So the key here for, for Harris Lake Park is their defense. Their defense is going to have to cause some turnovers. They're really going to have to slow down Audubon, um, who's led by the quarterback, uh, Gavin Smith. Uh, I'm sorry. No, he's not. I'm thinking wrong team. Uh, Skyler Schultes has rushed for 1,400 yards. They're going to key on that. Gavin Smith has passed for 13 touchdowns, 147 yards. So they have to watch off that pass. They've really got to slow down the run game here. And they had trouble stopping Remsen St. Mary's talented offense. They'll have trouble here against Skyler Schultes. I think Audubon wins this, but, wins this, but you know, Harris Lake Park could surprise here. If the, the, their defense can slow down Skyler Schultes. They've got a chance in this game because I think their offense can score some points against Audubon. Out of the 12 games we've talked about over the last true 45 minutes, uh, which one is the more key one in your mind this week? Oh, geez. Um, I'd have to say that Western Christian trainer game. Well, it's just, it's just tough because you, you kind of look at it. it actually, it'll probably be Carlisle and Sergeant Bluffloon. That's probably the marquee game right there. Yeah. Yep, and we're covering it. So good choice by you to to have that. And again, you can see that game and my game from um, Moville coming up uh, at SiouxCityJournal.com and, and in Saturday's paper. And I do want to say Western Christian, but I just don't feel like their offense in key right now. And I feel Trainer is going to win that game. I just, uh, it's I just seen what Westline did to Western Christian last week. I just. I just have my doubts there, and I hope I'm wrong on that one because it's, it's been a pretty good season for Western Christian. But trainer, you mentioned teams not getting respect. There's trainer right there who's in the top ten. They get a nine seed. So, yep, yep. One more team I want to talk about that that may that we can talk about whether they got respect or not. East they fell short. I think they were 17th in the UIPR this week. We were kind of hoping and wondering whether they were going to get enough help to make it to the playoffs in Class 4A. Uh, give me a quick hit on East. I mean, I'm kind of surprised the four-loss team got in there. I know I know it comes down to RPI and that, but, man, you look at the quality wins and quality losses, there's no there's no bad losses in there. Losing this to Cedar Rapids-Jefferson is a bad loss for Dubuque Sr. No matter how, how you want to cut it up, that's a bad loss. I'm kind of surprised that's how it ended up with the RPI. Um, Jefferson is 4-5 and five on the season. They would have been 3-6 and six had – had senior won this. And I, I was a little surprised that senior ended up where they did. They've got a loss to Linmar. They've got a loss to Prairie, a loss to Cedar Falls. But, you know, Linmar, I believe, I think they're in the playoffs. Yeah, they are in the playoffs. They're a three-loss team. I, I was just a little surprised they are able to edge it. Looking at, looking at the RPI here, because Davenport North, Cedar Rapids, Washington, Iowa City West, Waterloo West, Hempstead, was was their RPI really that great? I mean, Hempstead won four games. 
I believe Washington won three games. And Iowa City West, they lost, they won four games. So I'm still kind of confused the four losses there. Um, there. There's no big win that you go, whoa, for Dubuque Senior. There's no, and there's no one in there for East either. There's no one where you go, whoa, for East in there too. What hurt East the most was North and West and Helan not having the greatest season. That yeah. trumped it, but I didn't think it was far enough for it to make up for a full loss. That's the thing that gets me because you have Ankeny in there. There's no Ankeny on this schedule. There's a Cedar Falls. There's no Dowling on this schedule along with what you have with Cedar Falls. There's no Sergeant Bluff Luton on here. Well, I guess there's Prairie. Prairie was good this year. They're in the playoffs. They did They did have three losses, though. So you kind of look at it, and, and, and you're a little, little perplexed by it. Cause it must come down to opponents' opponents, and something must have added up there. Well, that was enough to make up one loss, which that, that just surprises me because that's a bad loss in Jefferson. Well, and opponents' records had something to do a little bit with these two because not many of us expected Heelan to go 2-7 and seven this year either. Yeah, but when you lose a four-win team, that should have some kind of effect. That, that really should because you can't lose to a four-win team and say, all right, you're in the playoffs against a team with three losses who hasn't had a bad loss. That's that's all I'm saying. That, that's where a computer thing comes into factor there too, and it can't calculate the fact that they lost to a four-win team. Dubuque Senior has scored twenty points combined the last season, last two weeks. Yes, one was against Cedar Falls. The other one was against a Jefferson team. I don't believe has been that defensively strong. They held Kennedy. Um, let's see. They held Muscatine to six points. Muscatine's had a bad year. They didn't hold Lamar to fourteenth. So, but they allowed forty-six to Prairie. So, I don't know. I, I just kind of look at it. Their defense actually hasn't been that bad this year. But still, that's, that's a bad loss for Dubuque Sr. to be sitting there losing to a team that had three wins coming into the week. And there needs to be something factored in there, I feel, because they don't, there's not that loss for East. There's not that bad loss for East. I don't, the schedule isn't as strong in terms of wins and loss. Well, I just don't feel like their schedule is that much worse than, than – than Dubuque seniors. Um, yes, Heelan is down this year. Yes, you have West. Council Bluffs Lincoln didn't do him any favors. Des Moines Hoover and Des Moines Lincoln didn't. So that does add up. But for a full loss right there, for a full loss, because they took care of business when they needed to. They beat Heelan. That's with Brant Hogan quarterback, too. That's a better Heelan team that week one. Yes. They started slow against West, took care of business. Shut out Lincoln. They took it to Des Moines Hoover in the second half. They handled North very easily, and they really ha- they they handled Des Moines Lincoln in the second half. They took care of business where they needed to. A, a full loss in that one is kind of perplexing, but I'm going to be honest: if East makes the playoffs, they get a low seed, and they're getting blown out this week. No, I know I agree with that too. So, I think East doesn't make it out on Friday. Night. Yeah, it doesn't make it past Friday night if they make so, it. But it would have been nice to have a Sioux City Metro team. They would have been the only one. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to go. I'm not. Chance. If this was another team, I'd also be saying. If this was Des Moines Hoover, I'd be saying the same thing. I'm not saying this because because it's, it's East. I'm saying this because I kind of look at. I'm like, oh, geez, it's just kind of tough, you know. And it comes down to metrics, and you don't always want metrics ruin it. Sometimes you got to look at the schedule and say that's a bad loss there for that fourth loss, and that's something East didn't have. And I'd be saying, let's say this is Davenport North. I'm saying, oh, man, 
they have those losses. They don't have a bad loss, and, and Senior does. I'd say if it was Des Moines North, I'd say if it was Muskingum, I'd say if it was Mason City, um, it, it's not not so much that it's East, it's just kind of how it all plays out in that. So right, right. But it, at least North East can have some sort of solid solace that they didn't get as screwed over as Sigourney Kyoto did. They went eight and one. Um, I think I believe they're two way. Eight one, you missed the playoffs. Granted, you lost one, they the, lost one the game only you needed game to. They, count. That, they, they lost, lost the, the only, only game, game they needed to win, but still eight one in midst playoffs. That's that's rough for the Cobras and, and both Sigourney and Kyoto in my home conference in the South I would see the league, so I kinda empathize with them a little bit more. I, I don't because at least, that's that's least, another thing. They lost they didn't just lose, they lost badly. Like Mediapolis handled them. Absolutely handled them. Twenty eight to six. And Sigourney, Sigourney Kyoto did not have any offense in that game. They passed for six yards. They rushed for not even a hundred yards. So Mediapolis handled them. Um, Mediapolis, which is completely unlike the Cobras too, because they're they've been offensive heavy all decade. And Mediapolis is a 15 seed. So it's yeah. not like they lost a powerhouse. Without that win, Mediapolis does not get into the playoffs. Right. So that's the thing. Like. And that's one of those things where, yeah, I may be contradicting myself, but Sigourney Kyoto didn't have anyone on their schedule worth anything. Pekin, Linville, Solly, Albia, <laughs> Edward, yeah. Eddieville, Blakes, Blakesburg. I think they only had like an opponent's win percentage of like opponent's winning of like 27 wins. So they, yeah, they the beat last up on a lot of bad teams. Teams. Yeah, the last four teams you listed were god awful this year. I don't think Linville Sully won a game. I think Albia won one or two games this year. And yeah. Both came in August. So I, I get your point. They didn't have good competition in Southeast Iowa. And granted, Southeast Iowa wasn't as strong as it has been in past years. But it, but there there is my point is there are some solid Fruit East fans knowing that they didn't they didn't go eight and one and miss the playoffs. Which uh, which brings me to my next question. I guess I know East had the best season out of all the Metro teams, not counting Dakota Valley or SBL. But overall, is this just a, a successful season for Brian Webb and the Black Raiders? Yeah, they improved from last year, so it was a successful season. But in turn, they did miss the playoffs, so it's going to sting. It is, and and that's what they need to do is make it. They, there's still a big gap between them and the big boys. There really is. There's a big yes, gap there between them and the big boys. They have to find a way to cut that down if they want to make the playoffs, to be completely and, honest. So. And there's even a bigger gap between Northwest – Healing and then East. I think there's a big gap there too. Yeah, I mean, I know that Healing East game was close. That's so a different Healing game that first week of the season, but there seems to be a gap. But that gap could shorten next year. You losing Cage Kellen, who's going to be the quarterback of that team next year? Um, what running backs are you going to have next year? You can have Tajon Jones, but I believe they're they're pretty senior heavy at East this year. If I'm if I'm thinking right. Um, I think they've got a lot of running backs. I think a lot of them are seniors. Um, let's see. When you look at it, you got um, Gabe Wagner's a senior. Casey Blake's a senior. Um, Caden Jones is a senior. Uh, Caleb Winter's a senior. Um, Cage Kellen's a senior. Uh, Ky- Kyler Peterson is back next year. He is a junior. You do have Bennett Van Outerloo back next year, but you lose Dylan Harper, uh, who's a senior. Um, so you're losing some key pieces of that offense right now. Who's going to be the quarterback? Um, there's a reason Cage Kellen was the quarterback because Carter Siebersma has a ways to go yet. 
he needs to take a big jump going into his junior season or they're going to be having quarterback issues like they did early in the season too. Um, Carter Jung is a senior. Um, Caden Schulte is a senior. Um, so they've, they've got some seniors on the line that they're losing too. They do have some youth there. Um, like I said, Tejon Jones has a chance to be really good. I honestly feel he should gotten the ball a little bit more, to be completely honest. Um, but And you do uh, – I believe you have uh, Cass Camrick back, who's a good part of their defense. Um, Ethan Bray Fogel, I think, is back next season, which would be pretty big for them. Um, yeah, he's a junior. So you do lose a little bit. Um, they had to find a quarterback and have the passing game hit a little bit more often. So, Yep, I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting to see what, how things transpire uh, as we get to the end of next summer. Make sure to check out SiouxCityJournal.com for all high school sports coverage, especially my coverage of the state cross-country meet coming up on Saturday. And, of course, on Friday night as uh, the playoffs start here in the Siouxland and in South Dakota and Iowa. For sports editor Justin Rutz, it's his assistant sports editor Zach James. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and uh, we hope we hope you can catch us next time. <laughs>